shrimp spaghetti with a kick, pork katsu, zucchini and mushroom bibimbap bowls. These are just some of the delicious meals HelloFresh has allowed me to prepare in under 30 minutes without having to leave home. Ready to try America's number one meal kit? Get 12 free meals, including free shipping, when you use code FILMCAST12 at HelloFresh.com slash FILMCAST12. Hello everyone and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. My name is David Chen and I want Bob Odenkirk to step on me. Joining me today is Devinder Hardwar. Who throws a chair? Really? <laughs> and Jeff Kanata? I still have 15 years to become an action star! <laughs> Joining us also today, he is the senior editor at Collider.com, Matt Goldberg. I am no longer allowed on city buses. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Slash Filmcast, everyone. Of course, we're referring to our main review tonight, which is going to be Nobody, new action film starring Bob Odenkirk. What? Did I say? Were those the right set of words that I said? We're going to find out whether or not he's a plausible one on today's main review on the Slash Filmcast. Uh, uh, before we get to that, we've got some what we've been watching for you. Uh, and then for the After Dark today, uh, we're going to be diving into The Empty Man. Who's, who's burping? Jeff, did you just you burp into the mic? I yeah, did, but yeah. I muted it. Nope, you did not. That's on the record now, baby. You just burped straight yep. into the mic, Jeff. I, I, I muted it. Please, I have okay. my louder and hey, wait, slower next can time. You, can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Can you hear yes, me? Yes, I can yes. hear you now, yeah. What? Why is my mute button not working? Oh, oh okay, yeah. well. Sorry, <gasps> sabotage you. I use that oh. a lot in this show, and it's now it's just not working anymore. Can you use yeah. like a hardware mute or something? Or that is a hardware mute. <laughs> just hit the hit the thing. Oh, you're yeah. using hard. Yeah. What about the uh, what that's about on the, the Go XLR baby? Well, I'm yeah. saying use the one that's. Uh, how about use the one in on these the, the Zencaster browser? How about that? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. it's yeah. betrayed it's a little, you. That a little is the worst pl- thing to uh, it just to stop f- working. It just had a firmware update, and yeah. evidently mm. the mute button. That's a, Let's keep that's all of this embarrassing yeah, no, way to, keep to learn yeah. about that happening. Jeff, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad we found out now, as opposed to mid-show when Jeff started making weird-ass noises. Yeah, like in the middle of somebody talking. <laughs> yeah. Just like yeah, really yeah. muttering under his breath. Yeah. yeah. No, honey, it's okay. I'm just talking to these fucking guys. <laughs> 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 I was you were making some like burping noises earlier. I'm like, huh, that's weird. I don't I'm usually sorry. Hear I that. just had, you know, I come right from dinner and sometimes there's a little bit of <laughs> that needs to come out, you know? That's really uh, but that's what the. We need the technology that produces smells through podcasts. That would really complete the experience. The smell cast. Right. Yeah. Well, as, as long as this is all being removed from the final show. <laughs> all right. Uh, Jeff, sure. So you, you use, the, use the Zencaster mute button for yeah, this. Yeah. yeah. Lesson okay, learned, cool. Dave. <laughs> okay. Uh, so what was I saying for the after dark this week for our patrons over at patreon.com slash film podcast. I got to say one more thing because, uh, <laughs> this is not the, f- <laughs> this is not the first podcast I've done today. This is the third show I've done today. And <laughs> I updated that firmware last night. So oh my God, a, 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 
all my other co-hosts are way more polite than you assholes. <laughs> and B, uh, oh, we're, we're the rude ones. Jeff. We're final, the, rude the ones. final yeah. product in a lot of shows is going to be very embarrassing for me. Listen, we're, only we're the, the real ones. friends will tell you when you burp. Okay. Oh. Yes. Yeah. All right. Anyway, everyone else sick. is a liar. Jeff. All right. Sorry. All right. This is all being removed. Go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. <laughs> So today for the Slash Filmcast After Dark, which is available exclusively to patrons over at patreon.com slash filmpodcast, we're going to be discussing The Empty Man, a movie that most people probably don't know exists, but is actually a mid-budget horror film that was made under the auspices of 20th Century Fox before they were subsumed by the Disney juggernaut. So uh, look forward to that, plus a couple of other things we're going to talk about in the After Dark. In the meantime, Jeff Kanata, last week on the Slash Filmcast, you revealed that you were looking at other houses... Uh, you're, you're potentially going to move out of Los Angeles. Yeah, You've been traveling. California. Yeah, you you left the state to look at houses, Jeff. Amazing. Oh, guys, there's so much to talk what? about here. There's so much to talk about. The first thing I need to say is a huge thank you to all of the wonderful Slash Filmcast listeners that reached out to me after hearing Aww. last week's show. I got dozens and dozens of replies of folks uh, giving me recommendations about both Phoenix area and the Raleigh area, the two areas that I mentioned on the show being particularly interested in, folks offering up their advice, their experience, their knowledge of the area is so sweet. I'm so grateful. Also, I feel like I am a uh, a veritable Amazon distribution center because uh, or, or or headquarters because people are pitching me on <laughs> <laughs> locations all over the all Jeff, over the you, country. You gonna make this into a show? You gonna like start a start a Patreon just for yeah. your move? Yeah, that's a great apparently. idea. Where's Jeff gonna live? The where, new yeah. podcast. Who's gonna make the but, sweetest but you offer? You have to live where everybody tells you to. So yeah. that oh, no, is I'll just, that's the rub. I'm gonna and do the it house like, they pick. I'm gonna do it like Amazon, and everybody's gonna pitch me, and then I'll just go to New York. You know? Yeah, yeah. Or no comment. No comment. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. go ahead, Jeff. Anyway, uh, I, I, very, very sweet people pitching me on a lot of Michigan coming in strong from a lot of listeners uh, advising Michigan. A lot of people from Detroit, uh, yeah. all over the Washington, all over the country. People come here, come here. Even international. Some folks going, well, come to Ireland. And I'm like, I would love to. Uh, can- Canadians uh, recommending I come there. I don't think people realize it's so how difficult. hard to immigrate to Canada. Yeah, it's nearly impossible to be. We've an all looked. Okay. Right yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, a very, very sweet and kind and uh, thoughtful of uh, a number of listeners. So thank you all for your your messages. Um, we did go to Raleigh, North Carolina this weekend, um, which was a wild experience. I mean, I could I could probably do an entire podcast just on the plane flight, which I'm sure you guys don't want to hear about. But <laughs> flying, you know, first time I've flown in over yeah. a year. Um, yeah. It's just bonkers how busy the airports were. The LAX was as if nothing had happened. It, it was completely mm. wall-to-wall people. Um, Southwest Airlines, which we flew on the way back, uh, they sell every seat. They sell every seat. And sorry, the, every single seat on this flight is sold. So I hope enjoy sitting next to everyone. <laughs> it, it, unbelievable. Mm. Um, anyway, all of that, we don't need to get into all that, but that was a whole thing. Raleigh, North Carolina is beautiful. Uh, it is a gorgeous, gorgeous place. We were very excited to be there. If you recall from last week, big part of the impetus for this entire move or potential move is the fact that the uh, the housing market is crazy in my area. And um, 
we, you know, we're looking and seeing that, that our house, which we only bought four years ago, could, ha- you know, could get a much bigger price than we paid for it. We could end up coming out ahead. And so it prompted us to go, well, let's take that money and maybe, you know, give ourselves a little bit of a retirement nest egg and, and, you know, take a big load of stress off of our shoulders uh, right now. Well, it turns out, fellas, <laughs> the housing uh-huh. market is crazy everywhere. Yeah, it's yeah. a uh-huh. seller's market. Yeah, this whole it, country, it turns out, is uh, is one big thing. I don't yeah. think seller's market is quite <laughs> quite covers it. Um, <laughs> we so the first day we had three days in Raleigh, and we had a realtor there on the ground who booked us back to back, nearly back to back appointments on all kinds of places, all over the place, because we we didn't know which exact locale, which which region of uh, the what they call the research triangle we were most interested in because we didn't, you know, we didn't weren't familiar with the area. Uh, so we had lots of appointments. So the first day, the first appointment was at 10 a.m. We get there. The first place we see, we're like, this place is great. This is great. But there's no way we can leap at the first. We have back-to-back appointments. We can't just mm-hmm. put in an offer on the first place we see on the it's first It's like day. casting the first person you see in an audition, you know? It's yeah, like, literally the first piece of a real estate advice you get. Is, yeah, uh, don't, I mean, if this is great. Imagine what we're going to see over the next two days. It's going to, you know, it's <laughs> amazing. We're already in. Um, by the end, you know, middle, midway through the first day, we're like, boy, every place we've looked at, we keep comparing to that first place. Mm-hmm, Do you mm-hmm. think maybe we could swing back by and look at it again? Or we, we want to make sure we're not just yeah. like looking back with rose colored glasses. Gone. It's, it's gone. gone. <laughs> it was gone. <laughs> 2 p.m. It was sold, guys. Yep. yep. Oh 10 a.m. It was come look at it. 2 p.m. It was <laughs> sold. Not it was sold. They had accepted an offer at two o'clock. At 5 there was PM, an open house in. the next day <laughs> that they canceled. They canceled an open house because they got an offer so bonkers that they just had to take it off the market. Wow. So that's what we're dealing with. 10 a.m. Come see it. 2 p.m. Sorry, it's gone. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the, the house had been put on the market the day before. So uh, we were looking at new builds. New builds are a year away with COVID. There's like no materials. Nobody can get materials. Uh, there's 150 people on a waiting list for a new build, just for an opportunity to bid on the one that they release per month, uh, so that they can start building it. And then it's nine to 10 months after that, before you can move in. And then what do you do if you sell your place here? It's insanity, dude. And literally every person, you know, we, like we we were going around all these areas with our realtor, walking into these offices and meeting the sellers, realtors. And every single time the person's like, I've been doing this 30 years. I've never seen anything like this. Oh my, it's good. And by the like fifth time, we're like, okay, we've heard it. We, we get it. We've heard it all day. Every time we walk in, somebody says they've been doing it for 30 years and they've never seen anything like this. But all of these people need to in- impress upon you how it's insane. They can't, they don't understand it. Somebody's like, I don't understand. The prices keep going up and the lines keep getting longer. I don't mm-hmm, get it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we vacillated wildly between being very excited and being utterly depressed. Um, it just seems like an impossible notion. And there's nothing special about Raleigh, right? It's like this everywhere right now. It's anywhere you would possibly want to live. That's where it, what the market is yeah. like. It's so just you, Jeff, you got to go where the, the puck is headed, right? You got to find that spot and not the not the hot cities, I guess. Well, I'm trying. I mean, I, we're trying. You know, we're not. Tr- the, the hot cities are like Austin and uh, you know n- n- uh, Portland and Seattle. We're trying to go to like the next tier down, and even the next 
three tiers down is like that. It's, I mean, you have to go to it's really, yeah. you know, middle of nowhere to get anything that's even remotely available. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a process. I don't know what we're going to do. It's very, very stressful. And there's a lot of heartache involved because it all seems impossible and overwhelming. And, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do that. You know, the idea of selling our place and renting with a question mark on where we're going to end up seems really terrifying. And yeah, yeah. if it was just my wife and I, we would do this kind of adventure on a heartbeat. We'd like travel around. It'd be amazing. But yeah, we have two kids and they have to start school. And it's like, you know, we can't just uproot our lives without knowing anything. Mm-hmm. So it's, well, Jeff, uh, is it, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Is it uh, useful for people to tweet you suggestions? I kind of said it offhandedly as a joke or are you kind of like, Oh, it's you're been full fun up. to read. I mean, I, yeah. obviously we're not going to be able to just be like, Oh, Hey, a, a tweet about a place. Uh, let's look at that. There's been some of that, but I appreciate it. Oh, I want to tell you one more thing about North Carolina. <laughs> Again, this is, if you're not interested in the housing market, just skip ahead, you know, five minutes to the end of the podcast yeah Uh, i know i understand we're in in the weeds and you tuned in for a film podcast and we're talking about the housing market but i find this interesting north carolina the state of north carolina has a law called the due diligence law i don't know if any of you guys have heard of this i had not the idea here is that when you want to buy a house you make an offer to the seller of the house and then you do your due diligence you do an inspection of the house. You, um, you, you know, you check things out. You, you, you decide whether or not there are any problems that you, you have to discover. It's your job to do your due diligence to try to discover any issues that may have may impede your desire to buy the house. So you do an inspection, um, and you know, you, you basically check out the house. In North Carolina, in order to initiate that process, you pay the seller a fee. The idea here is that because the seller is now taking the house off the market, they could potentially lose some money while you dither about and decide whether or not you're going to actually buy their house. And if you decide to pull out, they actually get to keep that fee. If you buy the house, that fee is applied to the purchase price. Mm -hmm. But if Mm -hmm. you decide, oh, actually, I don't want it, they get to keep that fee. I'm so it kind of yeah. protects it protects the seller for this period where they had to take their house off the market, but they didn't actually complete the sale. In normal times, that fee is about one to five thousand dollars, mm-hmm. which is still nothing to sneeze at, but is not a big yeah. deal. It's, in it's the grand manageable. scheme of uh, buying a house, right? Yeah, in, in the under scheme of buying a house, right. Yeah, yeah. It, it it is kind of nothing compared to everything else. Yeah. Compared but to we, buying a house, it's it's a yeah. lot of money, but in the scheme of buying a house, it's like it's manageable. Peanuts. Yes. yes. It is. It, it's it's right. So now in this market, our realtor was telling us in order to even have your offer considered, the due diligence fee has to be above fifty thousand dollars. What the oh, hell? Oh, come on, shit. Jeff. Just just. $50,000. Go home, Jeff. Just enjoy your house. I want you to really consider what that means. That means (laughs) that you like a house and you really know nothing about it. You've walked through it. You want to buy this house. And again, the time periods are very compressed. So you're going, okay, we want to buy this house, probably offering you more than you listed the house for. All these houses are going above asking fees. So you're actually offering them more money than they are asking for the house. 
And you're saying, I'm going to give you $50,000 regardless of how, whether I buy it or not. Okay. So then let's say then you go, okay, I'm going to do my, my inspection. And, um, there's mold in this house. There's termites in this house. There's Mm -hmm, some mm -hmm. shit. And you go, okay, in order for me to buy this house, you need to fix that mold and those termites. And then the seller goes, no, fuck you. (laughs) And then you go, well, I'm not going to buy it unless you fix it. And they go, good. I'll keep your $50,000. It it creates all these weird incentives. And I will, I will let the next sucker down the line, give me another $50,000 to consider buying my house. You could basically run a really nice business uh, owning yeah. a, and, and letting people see a termitorium, basically. Yes. <laughs> as long as you don't see the termites when you walk through the exactly. house the first Surprise time. Surprise termites. Yes. That's what you need. <laughs> they are $50,000 a pop termites. So the entire notion, the, the, everything is broken right now. Like, it just seems... You know, the idea of it being a seller's market, like a seller's market is, wow, the, you know, inventory is rather low. Right now, it's like, it's just broken. It, the whole system, and that's, there's nothing special. I mean, there's that there, law. It doesn't exist yeah. anywhere uh, that I know of other than North Carolina. But I just can't believe that a law even exists. It's like, that's what? pretty wild. What incentive at all does the seller have to do anything you ask? You know, like, it's it just, it's crazy. It turns out uh, capitalism is broken, and uh, it's getting more broken every day. Yeah, amazing. Well, Jeff, I'm sorry things have been challenging. Wishing you the best of luck in determining where to bring your family next. It's obviously a huge decision. So good luck. Keep us in the loop. uh, I I went through this. It is uh, is a nightmare, and we didn't even get to fly to see the houses. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm impressed that you did it, and it sounds like you did it. You know, right before things got really nuts. Um, well, it was but, it was after things got really nuts in New York, and we were like, "Gotta get the fuck out of here. We gotta yeah. go." So, yeah, luckily, I you know, I had family who could come and like look at places, and we did a lot of video chats. Uh, I have like a ten gigabyte two hour video tour of this house that my brother did. Um, so, like, all that stuff was super helpful. But yeah, yeah, actually, going to see the places certainly would have uh, would have been nice too. Yeah. Good luck, Jeff. This is tough. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Matt Goldberg, I think you agreed to join this podcast because you thought it was a movie show. No. Oh, I mean, and now um, I'm just like looking at Zillow. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but let's get into what we've been watching this week. Okay. And of course, uh, every week on what we've been watching, you can use uh, hashtag slash tag to recommend on Twitter something you'd like us to watch. People can also search for hashtag slash tag uh, to see what other people recommend. It's a very useful resource. Matt Goldberg, what have you been watching this week? Uh, this weekend, I finally got around to watching Brian De Palma's 1974 film, Phantom of the Paradise, which I'd heard about for years. I'd seen clips of it when I saw the De Palma documentary. And it's just one I had out of my radar. And I'm like, yeah, I'm finally going to pull the trigger on this. I, I think I just bought it sight unseen on digital for like seven bucks or something. This is the rock musical horror comedy. Yes, it's written, it's written and directed by Brian De Palma. Yes, and it's sort of difficult to pin down. Like it has elements of Phantom of the Opera and Portrait of Dorian Gray and Faust. And the the plot of the film is that there's this sort of Phil Spector like uh, music impresario producer played by Paul Williams, the great Paul Williams. Who, if you don't know, he's like one of the greatest songwriters of all time. He wrote 
you know, Rainbow Connection. Uh, We've only just begun. And he plays the villain, this guy named Swan, who is looking for his next big musical uh, extravaganza that he can he can turn into a hit. And he comes across this uh, songwriter uh, named Winslow Leach, played by William Finley. And Leach has created a cantata based on Faust. And he, he plays it and he thinks it's really good. And Swan basically steals it from Leach and then proceeds to ruin Leach's life. Uh, in a in a series of ways, like the more Leech just like good nature leave, he's like, oh, I'm sure it's just a mistake that you took my music and never called me. Uh, he he keeps making it worse and worse until Leech is transformed into the uh, the titular Phantom. Um, and I, I don't want to spoil anything more from there. I guess you know it's you know the film's you know almost fifty years old. It's hard to spoil it, but. Uh, I don't know how many people have seen it. And I think it's really great. It has a great kinetic energy to it. Uh, it was a film that was fairly early in De Palma's career. And while I think De Palma kind of gets an unfair rap for, you know, Hitchcock knockoffs, mm-hmm. um, Phantom kind of falls into something unique. It feels like his own. It defies easy categorization, but it is a really strong film about uh, creativity being corrupted by uh, commerce and sort of looking for that artistic purity and, you know, when it becomes corrupted and when it becomes maddening. And it's it's just kind of dizzying in that way, but it's also super entertaining. Uh, Williams also wrote the music for the movie. So the music is fantastic. And uh, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. I had a blast with it. Awesome. Glad to hear you enjoyed it. And it's interesting to reflect on like how, you would, if you've said Phantom of, Par- of the Paradise, describe the plot, uh, you would never guess that Brian De Palma directed it, you know, unless you already knew his filmography, of course. Um, a lot of uh, these really interesting directors made these kind of more interesting, bold choices earlier on in their career. Uh, and it looks like Phantom of the Paradise is one of those things. Uh, for some reason, I'm reminded of Francis Ford Coppola, you know, and how he made um, One from the Heart early on in his career, right? Uh, granted, it was after Godfather and uh, and Apocalypse. Now, yeah, it wasn't quite early on. It was like mid, it was his yeah, new yeah. Like mid step, mid yeah. career. But but then like it's not like he like it. it almost feels like they, they like directors like to like dip their toe into the musical thing, uh-huh. and they're like, Didn't oh, that movie is... basically destroy him too. Uh, yeah, it basically uh, ruined yeah, his yeah. dreams. Is yes. what my sense. <laughs> Maybe is. never do that. But, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would say though, like you know, there are these sort of deeper cuts from the from filmographies, and like of course, like with De Palma, it's like, oh yeah, of course, I know you know his bigger films, and, right? And that he's Carrie done. or uh, The Untouchables or Mission Impossible or of course the Nicolas Cage classic Snake Eyes. Yes, exactly. You know. But like, I feel like sometimes there are these deeper cuts in their filmography where you can kind of sort of appreciate what they're doing, even if the film isn't as as big or as well-known as something, uh, you know, something major in their career. Like a few weeks ago, I finally watched uh, Presumed Innocent, which is a Alan J. Pacula film. And of course, it's not as big as Clute or The Parallax View, but it's a really good legal drama. But people don't really talk about it because it's like this weird, like 1991 Harrison Ford movie. And it sort of gets buried. And so I think Phantom, I wouldn't like Phantom, I think has, has found its cult audience, but again, it's not like a, like when you're talking about De Palma, a film that immediately springs to mind when you discuss his movies. Yeah. 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 Uh, 
when I think of movies like Presumed Innocent, like my the first thing that comes to mind is like what the video case looked like on like a on a video store shelf. You know what I mean? Like that's that was my like first <laughs> memory of some of those older films. But anyway, uh, the movie is uh, Phantom of the Paradise, and it's available on most streaming services. That's what Matt Goldberg has been watching this week. It's time to thank one of our sponsors this week, PaintYourLife.com. I don't know about you all, but our family has not been able to get together for quite a while. And if you're looking for a way to bring people together safely, check out PaintYourLife.com, which gives you a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price. You go to PaintYourLife.com, you can choose from a team of world-class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect. It's a quick and easy process. You get a hand-painted portrait in about three weeks. And you can send any picture, yourself, your children, your family, a special place, a pet. Uh, But what's really cool is you can combine photos into one painting. So if you want a perfect gift for an anniversary, a birthday, a wedding, any other family milestone, you want to combine photos into one painting, you want to get a hand-painted portrait really quickly and at an affordable price. Check it out at paintyourlife.com. I've used paintyourlife.com and I find them to be an excellent service for really, I mean, if you go to paintyourlife.com, you can watch people's reactions to getting these things. And it can be really emotional because you can see yourself rendered with love and care in these paintings. At paintyourlife.com, there is no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now, for listeners of this show, there's a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That is right. 20% off and free shipping. To get this offer, text the word FILM to 64000. That's FILM to 64000. Text FILM to 64000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Terms apply. Available at paintyourlife.com slash terms. Again, text FILM to 64000. Jeff Kanata, what have you been watching this week? Well, I had a chance to take up a hashtag slash tag recommendation, as I often enjoy doing. Uh, This was recommended by at wounded underscore kite on uh, Twitter uh, with hashtag slash tag. uh, This person suggested the kid detective on VOD. And I tried this uh, six bucks on Amazon Prime streaming. Tried it pretty blind, although I, I did read the description uh, from the from the tweet, and it sounded like something up my alley. Um, uh, Creighton Duke, the uh, wounded underscore kite on Twitter, said, uh, "Imagine if the Coens made a comedy about one of the Hardy Boys when they were in their 30s. Uh, I was like, "Well, that sounds fun." Often on one of my other podcasts, we have concerns. We do a bit about being um, uh, boy detectives that are all grown up. So the idea behind this movie is that it is: what if those you know, the Encyclopedia Brown trope, that that kid who was brilliant at age 12 and solved all those mysteries and all those books, grew up and was in their 30s. Uh, this movie is brilliant. It is from first-time feature writer-director Evan Morgan. And I love it. I love this movie. I had not heard of it. It came out in 2020. It stars um, um, Adam Brody, in as the kid detective and basically the idea it's it's listed as a comedy and it is really funny very dry but it also gets really dark um it's really very much my sensibility in in a large sense it's 
It's like, what if, what would happen if you peaked at 12? You know, it's this guy who's in his thirties. He was a, the, the, the answer is the slash film cast every week. Ah, basically. So true. <laughs> so true. Uh, all of us kid detectives, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Except without the accomplishments. Except without any of the, <laughs> the accolades. Um, yeah, so, it's, you know, it's that, but it's great because the idea here is that this kid detective solved all of the kid detective type things. It, you know, those books, it's like, who stole the the cookie jar money? Or, you know, what happened to the dis- the case of the disappearing dog? You know, it's all these ridiculous kid mysteries that, you would enjoy as a kid. And so that's the idea here is that he solved, you know, he says over 200 cases, uh, but all of them are these ridiculously, um, you know, unsubstantial kinds of mysteries. And I will, I will spoil a very, uh, very minor thing from the beginning of the movie that I found delightful. Uh, but it is, it is a bit of a spoiler, but it, it kind of gives you, I think it paints a picture of the kind of humor that I love in this movie. It's from very, very early in the movie, but you get a sense there's a sort of a recap and flashback of him as a 12-year-old doing a lot of these wonderful, you know, solving a lot of these crimes, these mysteries. And uh, at one point, he he solves a crime um, about, you know, somebody stealing from the uh, the candy store, the, the, the malt shop, uh, because it is very much this like idyllic, you know, storybook version of America. And as a reward, as a 12-year-old, he gets, you know, a lifetime supply of of uh ice cream from the malt shop you, you can get ice cream whenever he wants from the malt shop so like early on in the movie he's 30 something and he goes into the ice cream shop again and he's like um i guess i'll have pralines and cream this time and the and the guy behind the counter is just so over the fact that this kid is still coming in here and taking advantage of the lifetime ice cream thing it is it's yeah. to me. You said hilarious. lifetime, dude. Yeah. What, what so do you like, think is going to happen? He's doing it, man. He's in his thirties. He's still coming in every day and getting a free ice cream because he solved a mystery. You know, when he was twelve, it's that kind of brilliant. I I think brilliant, dry humor. Um, but then the movie gets really dark as well. There's actually a mystery. It's the idea here is that he en- ends up uh, taking a case that is serious. It's a murder. Uh, he's you know he was a brilliant kid detective and now he's got to prove himself. Uh, kind of solving this murder. This is a brilliant movie. I, I just think there are so many cool ideas. It's all so understated and interesting. Um, I think Adam Brody, did I say Adrian? I meant Adam. I may have missed it, misspoke no, earlier. No, but, I think you got no, it. Adam. Oh, yeah, okay. You said Adam. Um, yeah. Trust Adam me, Adam Brody, I trust find me. him... <laughs> trust you, you, you would have corrected me. <laughs> yes, 100%. Uh, Adam Brody, uh, I, I find him to be such an interesting actor. I really like the choices that he makes and mm-hmm. he's making really interesting movies now and, you know, he's not. he's not unwilling to play characters that are unlikable or do unlikable things. And I, I like this movie shows kind of the warts of that. And it, in a larger sense, it's really about the way America is versus the way America used to think it was, you know, this, this idea of the version of America that yeah. we all read in those kinds of stories, those Hardy boys or, yeah, yeah. you know, Encyclopedia Brown. Yeah. Yeah. That was my, that sounds- was my jam. It sounds a lot like the film Mystery Team, which is again yeah. like Encyclopedia yeah. Brown type characters. Indeed, it um, has much more bite than that movie. Uh, I love that movie. I mean, I love those guys that um, the comedy team. Um, Derek. Derek, yeah, Derek, Derek, yeah, they're so great. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I like that movie a lot. This movie has much more bite than that movie does. I think that movie is much more broadly a comedy, and this is very much like it has some has a point of view, and it really it's an R rated movie too. I mean, it's 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 really an interesting film, and I'm very excited to see what this writer director does next. I hope this movie does well enough to launch his career further. I think you know on IMDb all he's listed at previously as shorts, so um, I hope this leads to more features for him because I, I think this movie's really great. It's called The Kid Detective. Yeah, I uh, I had heard about, th- this was something that tempted me on a night that I was trying to figure out what to watch on a Saturday night. And I probably ended up watching something depressing instead. But uh, <laughs> I, it's on my radar. It's on my radar. So The Kid Detective. Jeff, you've been really bringing it, man, with the uh, with the Rex lately. With the, uh, between uh, Shiva Baby and this, I'm like very, I have stuff I got to add to my list. So. Yeah, I mean, this is all from hashtag slash tag. I got I to gotta credit where credit is due on that. Those are folks really, um, you know, having great recommendations for me as well. Uh, but, but you know, back to back, those two movies, I think both of those are first time feature writer directors. Yeah. And it's really making me excited for this new generation of, of um, filmmakers. All right. The Kid Detective is available uh, for rent or buy on most streaming platforms. Uh, Jeff, what else have you been watching? Well, I want to mention something that isn't uh, technically a film or TV show. Uh, it's a video game, but it is a story-based video game that I think deserves a lot more attention. And I think anyone who listens to the Slash Filmcast would really benefit from playing this. Even people that don't consider themselves video gamers. Uh, there's a game called Before Your Eyes which was just recently released. Uh, You can get it on Steam. It is a very short game. You can complete it in less than two hours. Have either of you heard of this game? Or any of you guys? I haven't. Yeah, I've heard some really cool things, but I would love to hear your take, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. So Before Your Eyes is a narrative video game along the lines of something like What Remains of Edith Finch. Oh, yeah, is this one where you blink and it It is controlled entirely by your eyelids. Yes. Yes. So you need to play it with a webcam on it supports uh, any number of webcams and you calibrate the webcam to be able to verify when you blink uh and it was very it's a very simple setup uh and the game constantly says hey if if we don't notice that you've blinked please press the space bar at any time and we can recalibrate mm-hmm. i never really had to do that it worked perfectly right away very simple but yes you don't push any buttons you don't use a gamepad, you just blink at this game. And what you're doing, I don't want to spoil anything because it is a narrative experience. It is a, a, like I said, a very short, less than two hours. It's almost like watching a film or a television show, but it is interactive with your eyes. It's watching you and waiting to progress to the next scene. An icon will come up at the bottom of the screen. And when you blink, when that icon is up, you will progress to the next scene. And in a very broad sense, without spoiling anything, in a very broad sense, what this game is about is stepping back through one's life, Mm -hmm. watching these scenes, these memories unfold in front of you from the first-person perspective. And the way the game presents them, you will see something happening, you will listen to, like you'll start out as a very young child, and you'll hear your parents talking or giving you a toy. And it's it's very much a a scene as if from a movie, but done with CG. I mean, you know, game graphics, very simplistic, uh, abstracted game graphics. Uh, and then the scene will progress and this icon will come up. And if you blink, the scene will, will move to the next one. 
but the scene won't be over. It'll still be going. You'll hear your parents talking around you. You'll hear more dialogue. The, the, the scene you were just in before, you mean? Exactly. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the scene, the icon will come up before the scene has come to a conclusion. So you'll often be interested in hearing more about what's going on, hearing more of that story in that moment. But you are, and you're trying not to blink. <laughs> right? This is, how, this is a saw. Uh, episode. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I, so I was so intrigued when I heard about this game. I'm yeah. like, this sounds so awesome. Then I thought about playing. It. I, I just like pictured myself playing it, <laughs> and I realized I would give myself an anxiety attack. No, Dave, from not wanting to. You have to Ludovico is, technique so, yourself. So, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. What I thought the game was was a staring contest with a video game. It is not that. The entire idea behind this game is this notion that. Life goes by in the blink of an eye, right? That this game is, you are doing something that you cannot fundamentally control. At a certain point, you must blink. And oftentimes you'll blink involuntarily. There are, there are scenes where I would go past, like, oh my gosh, I forgot to not blink. I was listening, I was engrossed in the narrative. And that's entirely the point. I've talked at length on the show before about how I think ultimately all art at its core is about the human condition battling against time and the passage of time. We we're always just trying to rectify time and how we can't stop it. Uh, and that's exactly what this game is about, right? This mechanic of progressing through your life, moving from moment to moment, going forward through memories and not being able to hold on to it. You blink and, oh, it's gone. And now we're in the next thing. Oh my God, what did I miss? Oh, I'm here. It, as a parent, I think about that all the time with my kids. They're growing up before my eyes and I can't hold on to this moment. I can't, I, I try to, you try to go, oh, okay, cherish this. And it's gone. The kids progress into the next level of development. They're just, mm -hmm. the, the little thing that they were, they are no longer very quickly. And to be able to quantify that, to express that through the interaction of a video game, it is extremely powerful. It is an extraordinary experience to go, oh, the point of this is to Im impress upon you how fleeting moments are. And this, the narrative itself is beautiful. It, I was bawling at the end of this game. It hits you like a Mack truck. The last line of this game has stayed with me. Uh, it's, Which you I think only it's, heard half of because you blinked and was crying, right? <laughs> right. The game yeah. is about creating art. It's about life and death. It's about these big, big ideas. There, there are things you create art in this game by blinking, and the art you create will be different than the art I create when I've played it. And it, again, only by blinking. It's an extraordinary experience. Extraordinary. And it's, it's a game you can sit down and play through like you're watching a movie in one sitting because it's less than two hours. And... I, I guarantee you, if you try it, it will be an experience unlike any other. I, I was profoundly moved by this game, and I think it's a real work of art, specifically because this notion of create—it's not a gimmick. The blinking thing is not a gimmick. It really it creates this feeling of oh, I, I can't, I can't hold on to time. It, it is these things. It's involuntary. It goes by. You miss stuff. You can't remember things. Oh my god. We, you know, all of a sudden I'm this 
old and how did that happen? Oh my gosh, life goes by in a blink of an eye. And that, you feel it in this game. It's beautiful. It's called Before Your Eyes. All right. And uh, I think you probably acquired it on Steam is my guess, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. I think it'll be, I think it would be a great mobile game. It would be a really great VR game. I can imagine it would but, be great on phones, right? Because you have yeah. the camera, right? And they yeah. can, you just got to hold it. Not yeah. yet released on phones. I'm hoping they do. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, a beautiful game, if you have uh, even a laptop with a webcam or something, I'm sure it would be great. It's um, it's an extraordinary experience. It's before your eyes. It reminds me of the, in terms of movies, it reminds me of uh, Boyhood. Yes. Uh, the Richard Linklater yes. film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Very much so. It, so. Yeah, it's a it's a good moment for this. The uh, the Billie Eilish documentary. I keep uh, recommending to you guys. There's this moment yeah. where her dad just has that moment of her driving off for the first time in her car, and he's like, "You can't. What, what can you do? You can't control. Like you can't tell her not to do this. You can't control any of this. You kind of just let life go by. You know, it's yeah. uh it's amazing. And I'm definitely gonna check out this game. Thanks, Josh. I think I think you're gonna love it, Devendra. Honestly, yeah. I think you're gonna love it. Yeah. All right, that's what Jeff's been checking out this week. Uh, let's talk briefly about Made for Love, mm-hmm. the HBO Max original series that Devendra Hardwar and I both finished this week, right? Yep. Uh, so this is a show where uh, Kristen Milioti plays a woman who is married to a uh, tech CEO named Byron Gogol, who founded a company named Gogol. Which I think we all oh, know. Oh, it's like based on Yahoo. Yeah, exactly yes. right, Jeff. Yes, <laughs> AOL. I'm glad. AOL. <laughs> uh, exactly right. And uh, so he uh, he resembles like different aspects of many different tech CEOs. I would say the closest one uh, that I would peg him to is probably like a Mark Zuckerberg type character mm-hmm. in terms of his desire to like control things and. And kind mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. based on what we know about Mark Zuckerberg from his public persona and what has been reported in the press. And uh, he, uh, in the show, uh, she escapes uh, from the hub, which is their home, because she no longer wants to be surveilled at all times and wants to live life with all the rough edges. That's the very first episode of the show. Show came to a conclusion this week. And I thought uh, we'd take a moment to just check in with Devendra. Devendra, what do you think of the overall show? Is this something you'd recommend to people? <laughs> Oh, definitely. I thought it was uh, it was really interesting and funny and it has a lot to say about uh, kind of the state of our tech obsession. But also it is very much a show about kind of how we view each other and how we um, how we value the people we actually love too. like tech is the big thing here because it's all about surveillance. And yeah, it's uh, the villain is basically a tech billionaire. But I, th- I think it does a really good job of like exploring these characters. I think Milioti is fantastic. Also, yeah, she's awesome. Ray Romano is her father. And let me tell you guys, whenever Ray Romano appears in anything that's modern, <laughs> instantly, instantly like a letter grade up higher. Like he makes everything better. And, um, you know, there's a, there, there's a bit of a surprise in terms of who his uh, companion is. And I, I won't say that. I'll, I'll let everybody discover what that is. Yeah. But what's interesting is how much just him being Ray Romano humanizes that character and really makes you feel sympathetic for somebody who has a very peculiar kind of relationship, you know, something that stigmatizes them. But it also that also reflects directly the way uh, Kristen Milioti's character was treated by 
her tech billionaire husband. So I, I thought the show was a lot of fun. It doesn't like, you know, all the mysteries of it aren't quite solved, but as a fun little character centric piece um, that touches on tech today, but also our relationships, I really enjoyed it. Certainly more fulfilling than a lot of the other uh, short series we've gotten from HBO recently. I would say it's all right. I yeah. didn't love it as much as you, um, but Kristen Milioni is so talented. And I think that uh, she she's asked to do a lot in the show because basically you find out relatively early on in the show that she has like a chip in her brain that allows people to see what she's seeing and hear what she's hearing. And um, she has to kind of play. To, so she kind of like has to like talk to herself and kind of talk to the person who's surveilling her by talking into a mirror and stuff like that. And it's just like, it leads to a lot of really interesting acting um, kind of stretches for her. Uh, and between this and Palm Springs, that's two things I've seen in the last year where Kristen Milioti is lost in the middle of the desert and frantically trying to that's figure true. a way that's out. Kind of funny. But also uh, she, she's sort of like the, uh, what do you call it? She's like the heavy that comes in, in certain types of things, right? Like she, she paid, she played a pivotal character in how I met your mother uh, she appeared for one episode in uh, in Mythic Quest. You know, like she mm. just appears in things and kind of leaves her mark. She's like the ringer you call in. Yeah, to, the ringer. Uh, the ringer. Yeah, there you go. To knock it out of the park or whatever. And this yeah. is like, yeah, I feel I don't think it's the first series that she's fully starred in, but it does feel like one that is finally centered around her and uh, those enormous eyes of her. And you can just read everything that is happening to her. Like there's the insanity of this situation, but the the show is all about parallels right because she was basically the place she was uh staying with her husband she was with her tech billionaire husband for 10 years in basically a virtual reality box right a virtual like just a box in the middle of a desert um and she escapes to a small town that is essentially its own kind of like closed small box too so just seeing her kind of deal with that and her life issues and the fact that you know ray romano was not the best dad I feel, uh, yeah, she she handled that really well. She's great. She's great. Billy Magnuson's great. He's also in the show. I have and... to say, it is really funny seeing Billy Magnuson in the show because he was also together with uh, Ray Romano in the Get Shorty TV series. Mm. Billy Magnuson played a character who gave um, Topher Grace blowjobs for money. That is that is how I remember Billy Magnuson. So, boy, the tables have turned for him. He's a very different character in, now. He's great also in Game Night. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's, he plays like the lunkhead in Game Night. And anyway, he's Love that re- movie. really great comedic actor. Uh, and Kristen Mulaudi is great as well. Uh, so there's, there's definitely a lot to recommend the show. Things where the show didn't do so hot for me. Um, the tone, I thought, the, I didn't mm-hmm. feel like they quite nailed it. Didn't feel like they quite nailed it uh, in terms of like having a consistent tone or a tone that like felt like cohesive to the show. And the tech stuff, which I thought was the most interesting, is ultimately just a sideshow at the end. Yeah, of the day. yeah. I it's think not it's like not a, it's really, not Black Mirror. Yeah. yeah, it's not about tech. It's I thought it'd be kind of like Silicon Valley style, but it's really about the relationships between these characters. Like the tech is just a way to get you in the door, which it definitely did for me. Um, so uh, I would still say it's worth checking out, but I didn't love it. Um, a lot of people seem to enjoy it though. Uh, I just felt like the, 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 I mean the, the pilot I thought was so good. It, mm-hmm. it just really hooked me and I wanted the rest of the show to be like that as well. And unfortunately I don't think it quite landed the, uh, sucked the landing, but uh, it is available right now on streaming on HBO max. It's called made for love. Season one just concluded. 
Time for me to jump right in here and tell you about our sponsor, Manscaped. And Manscaped would like to know if you, dear listener, got Bush. Uh, it's trademarked. It's got Bush is trademarked. You definitely got Bush if you haven't tried the best products from Manscaped. After using these life-changing products, you're going to want to join a Balsack Beauty Contest. They have those, you know, I'm told. I'm looking out for you, too, because I have an exclusive 20% off discount. Use code FILMCAST at manscaped.com. Now, you don't want to use just any product to groom yourself. Believe me, I know. Just the thought of using any kind of razor down there shivers me, timbers. I've got memories I could share, but won't. Manscaped TM is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game with the Perfect Package 3.0 Kit. The Perfect Package 3.0 Kit comes with the essential lawnmower TM 3.0, waterproof cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine. This is the best trimmer to help you trim up those hedges. This trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin safe TM technology pioneered by Manscaped TM. When you trim those hedges, the tree stands taller. You get what I'm saying, right? There's a metaphor there. There's a little uh, bit of imagery you could probably read into that. Inside the perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped TM Crop Preserver TM Ball Deodorant, making sure your balls are smelling majestic before your Tinder date. You'll also find the Crop Reviver TM Ball Toner, a spray-on testy toner that's designed to make your balls smell irresistible. Be sure to add the refined TM Cologne to your arsenal. With a perfect package or performance package purchase, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value add, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped TM Boxers. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FILMCAST at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for your bush trimming experience. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FILMCAST at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code FILMCAST. F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. It's 2021 and you still got bush, TM? (laughs) Change that with Manscaped TM. Devendra Hardaway, what have you watched this week? I checked out the first few episodes of Them, the Amazon Prime video show created by Little Marvin. It's about a black family that moves from, you know, very segregated, uh, was it South Carolina? Like they move from the South to Los Angeles, to Compton, uh, you know, at a time, I believe it's the 50s, uh, you know, at a time where that's a white neighborhood and they're the only black family in there. And uh, have to say, this show is one of the hardest things I've like the hardest things to watch I've seen in a very, very long time. I can't recommend this show. Like I can't recommend it to to you guys really, or our listeners. I think like it's so weird because it's a very well-made show. It's really well shot. Uh, some of the acting like is, I think the cast all around, uh, especially Deborah Oyo Rinde, who plays the, uh, the wife of the family is fantastic. Shahadi Wright Joseph uh, also from us is here too. It is a horror show. That also explores, uh, you know, explores the horror of racism, um, but also actual demons and supernatural things that kind of haunt this family in this new house. Um, but it is a series that is really just trying to say racism is bad, guys. Racism is very, very bad. Um, and to sell that message, it just like tortures its black cast um, relentlessly. 
it is there there is no there's nothing it's such a strange thing like it almost seems like a show that's trying to make its point uh relentlessly through uh through the brutalization of their bodies and just them going through racist experiences we never really get moments to sit back and talk with this family and figure out who they are who these characters are what they're trying to do how they how they actually um coexist with each other because it's really just one scene after another of them dealing with racism uh you know right outside their lawn because uh the entire all the white women in their neighborhood just uh pull up lawn chairs in front of their house and blast music to uh to annoy them um or the experiences uh, the husband has when he goes to work and he's mistaken for the cleaning man um it is one scene after another of this and uh it is just tough and i've been told um you know, when when I started tweeting about this, people mentioned some things that happened to uh, kind of midway through the show. And I will never watch that. I will never. I'll probably like, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to watch more episodes of this, but I'll certainly think twice about getting there, to there's the some, Basically, there's some it. acts, yeah. for those who are curious, there's some acts of violence that occur during the show that are so reprehensible that even listening to them I is just, upsetting. Yeah, right? just even so. if I said, it sounds like as if Gus Van Sant had tried to, you know, explore racism in the U.S. or something. Um, like real, I think you're uh, thinking of... Uh, I think you're thinking of... Um, no, no. Not the Van Sant. No, uh, the other one. The Antichrist guy, right? The Antichrist guy, Lars yes. von Trier. Lars von, Lars von Trier, yes. But it's as if... <laughs> Lars, they're two very, <laughs> very different directors. Yes, extremely. But the good as in guy, Devendra. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, I, w- I would love also love to see him. Gus Van Sant. Yep. Gus Van Sant, yep. but... Yep. Directing Vince Vaughn in racism in america <laughs> yeah we really want vince Vaughn to be exploring yeah, that yeah he's great yeah. great guy to do that great, okay great anyway um there's a great <laughs> I review i think vince vaughn's been in a lot of gus van Sant movies that's all i was that's the yeah, yeah, yeah. he definitely has there's a review by angelica jade bastion uh called yeah. them is pure degradation porn it's on belcher i'd recommend you all read it yeah that's a great uh, review great review maybe check out the pilot just to see like the technical aspects of what they get so right in the show, uh, because it looks amazing. The cast is great and uh, they kind of get a lot of period elements down. Right. But at the same time, watching the show, I I'm somebody who cares really a, a lot about anti-racism and the way we think about race in this country and what people of color and especially black people go through in America. This show just feels like torture porn. It really, really does. And it kind of brings to mind what, uh, you know, what Jordan Peele has done with Get Out and also Us, um, where he balances his message with, uh, you know, some, some part, those movies are comedies in some respects. But also you get to know those characters. There's a lot going on. And it's not just simply putting people through horrendous racist experiences and calling that uh, content. Uh, so, yeah, I found this really just genuinely upsetting really hard to watch uh can't really recommend it to people and i have to say also the the entire like marketing campaign for the show is basically copied the us marketing campaign and the show's called them too which is just they they knew what they were doing right they they saw that movie they knew that was happening right they saw how that movie was marketed all that stuff just makes me feel weird uh i did not like the show too much uh it's a shame the show is them and it is available for streaming right now on Prime Video. And that's what we've been watching this week. Folks, let's get to some weekly plugs. We're going to do weekly plugs. Weekly plugs. Weekly plugs. 
Weekly plugs are the part of the show each week where we recommend something that we have been creating or that something someone else has been creating. It's, it's also cool. You know, it doesn't have to be something we're in. But uh, this week, I want to plug a podcast series I'm doing over a culturally relevant. Uh, it's a uh, retrospective of one year in the Seattle pandemic. I interview people from all different industries and we all reflect on how the last year has affected industries like the restaurant business or the live movie, uh, the live theater business. Uh, and I have a great interview coming up this week with filmmaker Megan Griffiths. She talks about how filmmaking has been impacted by the pandemic. Check it out over at culturallyrelevantshow.com. Divinger Hardware, what's your weekly plug? Oh, I've been reviewing a lot of laptops recently. Um, I just checked out the Asus Zephyrus G15. And something I really enjoyed. Uh, I gave it a really high score over in Gadget, so I'd recommend checking that out. It is a 15-inch, really thin, really powerful machine. It starts at $1,500. And I like this Asus Zephyrus line. The G14 was my favorite laptop last year. This one is a little bigger, um, but you know, still a really fantastic machine all around. So check it out if anybody's looking for a new machine. Gaming laptops, uh, turns out, not uh, pretty great these days. So yeah, check that out. You know, I can't... De- like I personally can't deal with the compromise of a gaming laptop. I bought a nice Me gaming neither. laptop the last year, and it's like, and I'm just like ergonomically, I find laptops in general to be a, a bit of a nightmare. You know, oh, sure, um, sure. like hunching over the table and the screen. Well, and the what, what you do, and- what you do is this: this thing is just your on-the-go gaming machine, right? But you you put it next to a nice monitor, right? You hook up an actual keyboard and mouse. Like you can do everything you could do with a desktop, and these things are still super powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, sorry. So, I, I, of course, or, it's a great. Or just have a desktop. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, well, of course, like <laughs> well, you if, can't, if that's you your can't thing, take a desktop anywhere. It's true. You can't. I, I, also, I, can't, I can't imagine now going yeah. <laughs> on the go gaming. You know, like yeah. Even even in pre COVID, it's not like I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be playing. Um, I'm gonna be doing my gaming in the Hampton Inn. You know, like I'm. You, <laughs> I just you don't know. have never experienced the joy of gaming through a six hour flight, sir, or an mm. eighteen hour flight. Uh, or hotels yeah. where just like you want to you, you got your it's steam tr- backlog like mm. there is there they, the convenience the freedom of having a powerful game you take this machine bring it down to your tv hook it up to your tv all of a sudden you get a thing that is more powerful than any console you know that's yeah. around right now so i think the i like the flexibility of the gaming laptops yeah i have a desktop i also have a desktop um but i uh, the flexibility of these things is just fantastic yeah, yeah. yeah. I, Jeff, I think I'm in your camp, which is like, if you're going to splurge with a machine, you might as well just get the desktop, sure. right? I mean, yes, if, you, if you're not looking at all the use cases in which you need a gaming laptop, yes. <laughs> I think correct. I'm just... You I'm are just, correct. I just came of age in a time when laptops weren't powerful enough for that. And so I, I'm saying I'm in they're a, amazing now, Jeff. No, I, I believe <laughs> you. I don't doubt what you're saying. I just feel like I'm in... I'm like old dog, new tricks kind of thing. Sure, I like, right. Yeah, I'm not going to... I game on my desktop because that's what I've always done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I tried it. I I bought a gaming laptop uh, like a couple years ago, and I was like, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna really make a go of this, and uh, I just couldn't couldn't make it work. Devendra couldn't make it sure, work. I ended sure. up selling it. Um, but I'm glad that. But you really Asus... need twenty cameras. <laughs> <laughs> so you're gonna throw that in my face. Uh, but yes. yeah, that's right. I'd probably just <laughs> like it. Okay, the Asus Zephyrus G15 sounds it's like a great good. device. Uh, check, check out. I, I did a video review too, so that's up on YouTube. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. At the risk of being even more obnoxious than usual, uh, I years <laughs> late, ago, years ago, we had a uh, a sponsor. The my, the my old show, the Totally Rad Show, was sponsored by that company, 
And mm. they over and over and over forced us to pronounce it Asus. Mm. It, it is technically Asus, but uh, yeah. yeah Everyone says me. Asus. And I used to say Asus, but. Uh, a lot yeah. of people say Asus. Even people yeah. I know at Asus say Asus. Oh, so, it, yeah, it was yeah. so ridiculous. They're like, yeah, you need to do that again and say yep. Asus. I was Asus. like, Asus. No one says Asus. <laughs> It's like people that tell me to, uh, that, that always correct me when I say it A24, but it's A24, you know? Mm. It's completely the same. I mean, do you say A24 or do you say A24? What do you, what do you think? I, say I actually say A24, but. Yeah. I say A24 because you got to save on the syllable. See, I say you know A24 I mean? because it's what they print on their overpriced sweatshirts. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> always but, go by the sweatshirt. Yeah, I think that's fair. But, you know, 20 is an, is an extra syllable. And, like, at the end of my life, you know, Jeff, which passes by, but in a blink of an eye, as you said, yeah. like, I want to, mm-hmm. I want to look back and say, like, I saved precious seconds not <laughs> saying the 20 in A24. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every, every 20 counts. Jeff Canada, what, what what's your weekly plug this week? Well, if you recall last week, I recommended people tune in to the Dungeon Run episode 81, which we recorded last week. And I said it, uh, it promised to be uh, a doozy. And I'm here to tell you. If anything, I undersold it. I, I don't like to do the same weekly plug two weeks in a row, but folks, episode 81 of, of the Dungeon Run was one of the craziest Dungeons & Dragons sessions I have ever been a part of. Uh, it broke me as the DM. It broke me. Dungeon Run, of course, is my live play Dungeons & Dragons show. More to the point, it's a big, fun, fantasy storytelling show. You don't really need to know anything about D- D&D to enjoy it. Uh, and in this case, it became a completely uh, edge of your seat, like what is going to happen? The team split up. One didn't know what the other was was doing. The audience knew what both was doing. And each of them were completely screwing the other completely innocently. But because of what they were doing, they were completely ruining the plans of the other. And everybody was like, oh, my God, everyone's going to die. Everyone's going to die. It was wild. So <laughs> check it out on YouTube. It, you can also it. listen to it as an audio podcast. It's the Dungeon Run. Episode 81 is titled When All Else Fails. Matt Goldberg, your weekly plug. Uh, so, you know, normally, uh, you know, I can I enjoy writing stuff about like Marvel movies and Star Wars and like the stuff that gets a lot of attention. But one of the joys of, of my job is to sort of try to draw attention to, to smaller films that people may have missed or sort of just, you know, films that I've discovered in my life and, and want to share with people. So I had the opportunity uh, to write about uh, a little double feature people could put together if they have uh, Criterion Channel and Hulu. And that's to check out these 90s film noirs of the director Carl Franklin. And Carl Franklin, he's put together like a really impressive television career uh, over the years with directed episodes of Mindhunter, The Leftovers. Um, But in the 90s, he was really breaking new ground with noir uh, with these films, One False Move and then Devil in a Blue Dress. And so... One False Move is this sort of uh, urban-rural divide film that doesn't really tell you what it is until you get to the second act reveal. But the the film starts off that there's been this uh, horrible mass murder and drug robbery in Los Angeles, and the killers are fleeing towards Texas. And so a couple of L.A. cops are actually heading towards Arkansas because they believe that one of the killers will meet up with a family member. And when they get to Arkansas, they get together with a local chief of police played by Bill Paxton. Uh, 
And he's really excited because nothing ever exciting like this ever happens. He has all these big ideas about it. And the way these two storylines converge with one following the the killers and the other following the cops, uh, it doesn't really come together in the way that you would expect. And when it does, you have Franklin really saying something interesting about race in America and sort of who has which opportunities and who gets to tell which kind of story and what uh, the freedom that they're allowed to have. And then he followed that up with Devil in a Blue Dress, which is a very cool spin on a post-war noir. Stars Denzel Washington as um, he uh, he was a World War II soldier. He's just been laid off from his job at at an aircraft factory. And he gets drawn into this missing persons case uh, because he needs the money. He wants to be able to keep paying his mortgage. And it's a really fascinating spin on the P.I., uh, noir genre because the film is pressing the question, well, you know, yeah, Sam Spade and, uh, you know, he can go wherever he wants, but where, where can a black man go? You know, where, where can he go that a white man can't and where can he go uh, that a black man can't uh, where, you know, what, what avenues are denied there. And Carl Franklin, who, who's a, who's a black director, Again, he plays up these really interesting issues of race into the noir genre that aren't really explored. And uh, one false aren't really explored elsewhere or in his film. uh, Not really explored elsewhere in the noir genre. Right, right, right. And so he he's sort of using his films to explore that. And One False Move is a film that like barely got a theatrical release. It was intended to go direct to video, and Gene Siskel basically saved it, and along with some other critical accolades. Um, and then Devil in a Blue Dress flopped, uh, but it I think it's found its audience over the years. And, and Devil in a Blue Dress kind of frustrates me a little bit because it came out in 1995 and it didn't do that well. And it's a post-war uh, noir movie. And then two years later, LA Confidential comes out uh, and everyone's mm. like, oh, this is the most amazing thing ever. I'm like, you should see Devil in a Blue Dress. because Yeah, the Devil is fantastic. It's yeah. So uh, I, I wrote up just basically uh, an article about why these two films are amazing. And uh, they're only on uh, their respective streaming services until the end of April. So I would I'd strongly recommend checking them out. Uh, they're, they're both great films. All right. The movies are One False Move and Devil in a Blue Dress. They're available right now on Criterion and Hulu. And you can find Matt's writing about them over at Collider.com. Thanks for sharing that, Matt. Really, no, no uh, really interesting. If you're like me, living through a pandemic can be pretty stressful and uh, lead to a lot of anxiety. So I've been using Feels to help me alleviate a lot of that. Feels is a premium CBD service that's delivered right to your doorstep, and it helps you feel better naturally by reducing stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. For me especially, uh, a lot of things just make me feel anxious these days uh, between everything going on in the world and taking care of my family. Uh, So I typically take some feels at night just to help myself wind down and get some rest. Feels is easy to take. You just have to place a few drops under your tongue and you'll feel the difference uh, within a few minutes. I found it helpful to experiment with different levels um, because, you know, it can have very different effects. Feels also offers real human support. There's a CBD hotline to help you guide your experience. And uh, one of the things I appreciate best is that Feels just helps you feel better naturally. There's no hangover or addiction. So I'd recommend joining the Feels community to get it delivered right to your door every month. You'll save money on every order and you can pause or cancel at any time. 
Feels has me feeling my best every day, and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash filmcast, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash filmcast to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash filmcast. Me encantan las películas. <laughs> if you didn't understand me, I just said I love movies in Spanish. Why? Because I just learned it from Babbel, the number one selling language learning app and our sponsor. One of my goals for the new year was to finally, finally learn a new language. And Babbel is what I've been using. It's made the whole process addictively fun and easy with bite-sized lessons that you can actually use in the real world. I chose Spanish. I live in California. It's actually useful to me. But man, the process of learning a language, being able to communicate to other people all around the world, it's invaluable. And Babbel's 15-minute lessons make it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. Unlike the infamous language classes you took in high school, Babbel designs their courses with practical, real-world conversations in mind. Things that you'll get to use in everyday life. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 100 language experts. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent, something I really need to work on. Start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. Right now... With your purchase of a three-month Babbel subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of three. Just go to Babbel.com and use the promo code FILMCAST. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com, code F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T, for an extra three months free. Babbel, language for life. Let's get to our review of Nobody. So they took maybe 20 bucks and an old watch. Mr. Madsen, did you even take a swing? No. Could have taken her, Dad. Heard you had some excitement last night. I wish they'd have picked my place, you know? Why didn't you take him out? I was just trying to keep the damage to a minimum. Yeah, how's that working out for you? You okay? Cause it don't look okay. There's a long dormant piece of me that so very badly wants out. What are you still doing here, old man? I'm gonna fuck you up. That was from the trailer for Nobody, the newest film by director Ilya Nyshuler. Stars Bob Odenkirk. It was written by Derek Kolstad, who's one of the people who worked on the John Wick films. And the plot summary reads as follows. A bystander who intervenes to help a woman being harassed by a group of men becomes the target of a vengeful drug lord, end quote. Pretty pretty charitable plot summary there, I have to say. Yeah, um, pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Matt Goldberg, I invited you on this podcast because you actually wrote a great review of this movie over at Collider.com, which is headlined, Nobody Feeds an Addiction to Violence for Both Its Hero and Audience. 
And the subheading is, we can derive a lot of glee from watching Bob Odenkirk dismantle nameless goons. But what does that say about us? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. End quote. And uh, that's, that's going to be the question I'm going to start with you, Matt, in our non-spoiler section. What does that say about us? You know, I puzzle over it because I, I would not consider myself a violent person. I would not consider someone who takes glee in real world violence. Like I'm not watching, I don't want to watch, I don't even really enjoy like boxing or MMA, but I also really enjoy violent movies. And what's interesting about nobody, as opposed to something like John Wick, which for something like John Wick is also feeding our appetite for violence. But John Wick is sort of like, it's a fantasy world. Like it's this big, I think the John Wick, franchises that its biggest strength is that it's created so much world building around it so that you can kind of lose yourself in it. Whereas nobody kind of works from the premise of, no, this is a real guy living a mundane existence that you can recognize. We all have sort of Mm. been in that world of like, Oh, I forgot to take the trash out and like being frustrated. And like, I don't feel appreciated and my marriage has gone a little cold and my kid doesn't respect me. Like all these markers. And then Nobody kind of postulates, well, what if you had this sort of, you know, burning violence inside of you and you could let it out and it would only hurt bad people. (laughs) It would only hurt people who quote unquote deserve it. And it's weird because like that is the appeal of the film. The appeal of the film is, is violence itself, but constructed in such a way as to let us off the hook in a weird way to gratify our bloodlust without any guilt accompanying to it. And a film I was, I thought a lot about while watching Nobody was uh, David Cronenberg's History of Violence, which I think is kind of exploring similar territory, but in a much more uh, contemplative way. It's not meant to be fun in History of Violence, but both films are sort of reckoning with like, does our domesticity run into conflict with this sort of atavistic bloodlust that we you know, against our civilized norms wish to enjoy. Interesting. Well, Devendra, I'm going to ask you what you thought of this movie. (laughs) I'd say, and I I really liked your review, Matt. Um, Oh, thank you. But for me, like this, this feels just as much a fantasy as the John Wick universe. Like this is, this is it. This is a, basically a John Wick side story. Cause like the, there are things, there's world building in this movie. There, there's like thing. We we won't spoil too much of what happens, but clearly this guy has a bit of a history, right? He's not just your average Joe. Um, So like this to me is like, do you think John Wick has too much plot? Right. Do you right. think it has too much like story? <laughs> that's that's the question. Then no, then check out nobody. That's kind of my reaction. Exactly. Uh, exactly. But that's not to say I, I didn't really enjoy the film. Anyway, go ahead, yeah. Devendra. Sorry. But no, certainly I felt that way too. Like I I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. I think as an action movie, it delivers. Um, it is the most dad movie to ever dad movie. Like <laughs> it, it really it really yeah, accomplishes true. that goal of the the dad movie. You know of. You, man, I, if only I could do something, right? I, I am just a sad suburban dad with a boring job and I have to take the bus every day. But if I, those punks on the bus, if I could just kick their asses, I'd feel so good. Yeah. I'd have there's sex in, with my inside, wife again. Inside every dad, exactly. there's a badass waiting to come out. Exactly. Like it, it is that wish fulfillment, right? Um, certainly the trash uh, every day, every, every week and everything. We all have our own issues with that. 
Uh, looking in your direction, <laughs> Jeff. Um, <laughs> this is a dad movie. I actually watched this movie with my parents uh, because uh, they were over and they were vaxxed for my uh, dad's birthday. Yay. Um, yeah. So that, that was fun. And I got to watch a dad you, movie with my dad. Dad, dad. kicked the shit out of some folks after he watched oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like he, they, they loved it. But certainly the way this movie handles violence, like it is. You know, it's a it's a crazy ass revenge thriller. I don't think it's uh it's not like a gritty thing, right? It's not like Death Wish, but it does feel it's campy in a way that is fantastical and enjoyable to me. And hey, like this is something we question a lot with our fiction, right? Why do we enjoy hyperviolent fiction? This goes back to, you know, uh oral storytelling, you know, and Greek mythology and the stories that we've you know gathered from ancient history. Um, we really like violent, uh, you know, things that can reflect things we can do and talk about that we don't want to do in polite society. Right. So that always feels fun and interesting to watch, but certainly how many, how many mass shootings have we lived through this year alone? You know, it is a weird thing to be this watching week this movie alone. Yeah, this week, week alone. alone. Yeah. Um, it is a weird thing to be watching. Like, yeah, yeah. It is a gun fetishizing action fetishizing movie and you feel gross doing it i think it accomplishes its goal of being a kick-ass action movie um there like the i was a bit worried honestly because when the first trailer for this movie came out they showed part of the bus fight and it looked bad it looked like it looked telegraphed to hell like you could see bob owen kirk was just like waiting one, for the reaction three four yeah, one yeah, exactly two. it was very slow um i think the final product shows the uh, the magic the editing uh you know fine-tuned editing can make for an action movie because you really feel it right you feel the action you, you believe it in my you opinion you believe like, it i, I um, believe yeah. that that bob odenkirk could do the things he does in this film and for that, sure, that is sure. a huge accomplishment uh and, and I, don't, I don't think we should undersell that you no, know that dude, dude 58 he's 58 He's Saul he's Goodman. 58. He's also two years older than Keanu Reeves. So do not forget that. Only two yeah. years older than Keanu Reeves. But mm. yeah, like, let me just say this too. Like, I appreciate this is an action movie where he is not Superman. He is a guy who gets beaten and bloodied. And I, I hold, I really enjoy when an action movie actually gives me a protagonist that has to bleed, that has to, he, he's not perfect. He has to suffer. He is like working out uh, his kinks in his first fight. Um, and he gets hurt a lot through it. And to me, that was part of the, that was, you know, one reason I also really enjoyed the first John Wick and didn't enjoy John Wick 2 as much because it was a little too invulnerable. So as an action movie too, like uh, portraying a hero that is, yeah, sure. He, he is a superhero action guy to a certain extent, but he still gets hurt a lot and he doesn't win every fight, um, in the prettiest way. Although I guess he does win every fight. Right. So yeah, I enjoyed it, but it is a weird icky thing. It's a weird thing to be watching and loving right now. But certainly, um, you know, there are people you would not expect who get gunplay action in this movie. And on the one hand, I'm cheering. On the other, like, man, mm, I wish uh, yeah. I wish we actually had this stuff in check in real life so I could enjoy this movie more. <laughs> you know? Mm, mm, indeed. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on Nobody? Well, Dave, I guess you could say my thoughts on Nobody are best summed up in the form of a limerick. I wonder, Matt, Matt, are you familiar with his limerick? I uh, am. I am familiar oh, with he's, the he's familiar, so we don't need yeah. to explain it to people then. You know, your tyranny has... <laughs> my my, uh, my t- tyrannical reputation precedes me. Is what exactly. 
It's yeah. spread far and wide at this point, Dave. Mm-hmm. Jeff is mm-hmm. Jeff is just a dad who's t- had too You're much. Just a dad, exactly. <laughs> you pushed me, pushed me too far, Dave. I dare you. <laughs> All right, ready for the limerick? Here we go. Yeah. The setup doesn't really work, but when things start to go berserk, it would be a lie if I tried to deny. I just like watching Odenkirk. Nice. Yeah, that's a, that's a fun, good. delightful one. It's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a little light. It's like an amuse-bouche. It's like a little... Mm, yeah, mm, yeah. I like f- refreshing and crisp, that one was. And I kind of feel that way about this movie. I, I'm going to... You know, I agree a lot with what Devendra has said. Um, I, it's hard to talk about these kind of movies. I had the same problem with John Wick. John Wick came out... You know, the first one came out in a week where there was this massive shooting... And which, uh, how do you put out a movie when there's not a massive shooting? Um, so it's hard to sort of have this fun, goofy action movie that's all about blasting people in the face with guns. Too many. Uh, it is, uh, this week, we've had a number of them. I mean, that we'd have one mass shooting and then a few days later, or you know, as I was reading about that one, another one was happening and people are like, oh wait, which mass shooting are you talking about? Uh, regardless, it's fucked and it's hard to have fun, shoot a lot of people movie when real people are shooting a lot of people. The problem with this movie for me, which is a movie I quite enjoyed, is like the message of the movie ultimately, and we can dive a little bit more into this in the spoilers, is like you can have a movie that's like, a celebration or or that that has like lots of violence but that ultimately is anti-violence it might be an unconvincing movie you know it's like how uh goodfellas is theoretically uh anti-gangster or wolf of wall street is anti you know uh cocaine off of a hooker's ass yeah exactly right and it's like oh well of course like all those people lost everything in those films but it still makes those lifestyles like pretty freaking cool right and uh, so, but ultimately, well, it's at the more end of the than day, that in this movie. It's more than that in this movie. It is also, it it, it seems to be tied to masculinity, right? Yeah. In this movie, exactly. this man is yeah. an this man is impotent and restrained because he is a family man because he has right. turned his back on this rampant violence. I mean, I I think this movie has a lot in common with Fight Club, to be honest, because yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. as Devendra kind of referenced, it's not just that he is more of a man when he pummels someone else. It is that he is also more of a man when he is pummeled. It is him receiving the pain is as cathartic to him as dishing it out. And there is something cool about, as Devinger mentioned, uh, you know, him sort of returning to this life and not being the perfect uh, action hero right away. He, He is clumsy at first and, and gets a lot of uh, accepts a lot of punishment, but but there's a joy to that. Like everything about it, it's very much Fight Club. It's like in order to be a man, you have to engage in these animal activities. This this base sort of primal kill or be killed, hurt me and I'll hurt you more transaction. And I didn't really appreciate how that was framed. There's a there's a moment at the beginning that is so. It's wrongheaded, in my opinion, but also clunky and just bad filmmaking when the inciting incident happens and a police officer uh, comes up to our hero and says, 
well, you know, if it is my family, <laughs> yeah. it's like, how yeah. fucking on the nose can you be? Movie? That's pretty rough. I, it's yeah. terrible. And it w- actually would have been a better moment. It would have been more effective if the police officer had been completely understanding and be like, hey, man, no one's going to blame you. You did the right thing. And like have our hero in his head disagreeing. Yeah. Like yeah. If the, the, audience, other, the other cop said you did the right thing. But yeah, no, I know. But like, yeah, it is so like on the nose yeah, you don't need and, to needle this character to get yeah. the guest yeah. to yes. understand where he's coming right from. yeah and, and you don't need to needle the audience either we get it we understand what he's experiencing you don't need to hammer it over the head and it's the whole setup of this movie i think is really clunky just on a pure filmmaking level but honest also on a messaging level it just felt ridiculous to me that we need to feel that his you know his wife won't fuck him you know his you know, his dog will pee on his leg. I they don't do that. But th- yeah. this this kind of thing where it's like everybody hates you until you step up and be right. a man yeah. and beat the, the shit out of somebody. I, I really Domesticity who... is sort of emasculating in and of itself. Yeah, exactly. But I think also the fact that like his wife won't sleep with him. I think honestly, that kind of circles back to that's kind of the honestly that that kind of differentiates it from the John Wicks of the world. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that makes it different from that, from John Wick or the equalizer or anything, because like Bob Odenkirk, you can buy like, oh yeah, his wife won't sleep with him. And it's harder to be like, oh, Keanu Reeves, his wife won't sleep with him. Or <laughs> Denzel Washington, his wife won't sleep with Absolutely. him. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a good point. But I also feel like the movie makes it very clear that once he starts murdering people, now, now he's going to get laid. It. Yeah. 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 And, and that's the thing that's ultimately like disappointing for me is – it's hard to really feel good about feeling good about this movie. It, it, you know, like when I'm watching it, I'm like, this is so freaking badass. And also, Jeff, you were, you were giving that earlier scene a hard time. I mean, I think Ilya Nyshuler is a brilliant filmmaker. This is a guy who did Hardcore Henry, right? Yeah. And, and you, you feel at the beginning, I love the, the intro to this movie with like the super fast cuts where you just get the sense of this guy's life in like 15 seconds. It's awesome. It's he, so he cool. He is so good because... Elaine Eichuler, in my opinion, is one of those people whose whose movies have to be movies. And I know that sounds like a tautological statement, but I mean, like, his movies can't be any other form of thing. They can't be books. They can't be podcasts. They can't be a stage show, right? Which, like, some movies could be. Some movies could be that. Um, This movie, like, he uses every component of the cinematic experience. This is not a play adapted to a movie. Correct. Correct. (laughs) Uh, Exactly right. And that's what I love about it. It's like, you can tell just by, like you could not tell that part of the story in any other format. Well, you could, and most people do uh, much longer and more. He, it's a shorthand (laughs) that is a super effective. Right. We get everything we need to get out of it. We get the monotony. We get the, the domesticity we get all of the, the everything we're supposed to get we get in this beautiful shorthand that uses quick edits and i you know iconic imagery in a in a beautiful way so there's a lot to like about this movie i i did enjoy watching it it's just loaded with a bunch yeah. of kind of messaging baggage that's that's broken but i also want to say one thing real quick which is i love mr show <laughs> it's my it's uh-huh, my favorite uh-huh. it's my uh-huh. favorite sketch comedy series of all time i've memorized almost all the sketches of that show i just i've watched it so many times i love it i love it 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 was a huge influence on me in college i love mr show with bob and david if you had told me when i was (laughs) watching that show that this dude nearing 60 would be an action star i would 
laugh and 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 scoff but it's great it's so there is a joy that i had in just watching bob odenkirk in this role that's it that's the appeal of the movie it is really that, is yeah it's really yeah. it really is it's, it's like, like a, it's oh. like a magic trick you know like it, we're yeah. gonna take this guy who's kind of this you know him as kind of like a dumpy, we will break him. We will lame dude. Him. Yeah, and we're gonna like make him into an action star. And it's just like I'm uh, uh, when I first saw the premise, I'm like, okay, I'm super yeah, skeptical. Yeah, I'm like, I don't yeah. think this is gonna. It's gonna look painful. It's gonna look awkward. And some of it does look painful and awkward, but intentionally so, right? It doesn't like it, it, uh, when he has his first fight, he's like getting into it, and he, he's not very good at it at first. Then he finds his groove a little bit, and it's. Uh, it's remarkable. It's remarkable what they're able to do. And it even uh, it even character. contains all of the tropes of that genre with the the you know the um the gratuitous shirtless action star scene. You know, here's this dude who's 58. You know, we have him with his shirt off. We have the scene where you know the 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 woman patches up the yes. wounds. You know, yep. like all of that stuff. But it's done. It's done almost with a wink and a nod. It's done. You know with the full knowledge that this dude is Homer Simpson, you know, it's, <laughs> it's great. It's real. It's, I, it's I really appreciated like, that about it. Good and on it him sucks. for doing this. Like, totally. for, I, I feel like it is a, it is one of those things where maybe it's like a personal thing, a personal accomplishment. And I feel the same way about uh, Kumail, like getting super buff for, uh, for the Eternals too, but this is not to that degree, but there are videos of uh, Odenkirk's training regimen on uh, on youtube you could go check it out he he can do shit he could still do a lot of shit that i can't do so this isn't all just movie magic like the dude has uh built up a certain you know amount of fitness that actually makes these fights look believable and uh i can't who who else who else would be the unbelievable you know next new action star wallace (laughs) sean yes (laughs) my dinners with andre too yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) this time my my war with andre (laughs) sorry to step on your joke no worries that was good no worries uh okay yeah i mean i think you guys have heard i i I think the action is so awesome uh, in this movie and yeah yeah, uh but ultimately at at the end of the day it's a celebration of brutality, violence, and mass murder. And you know, masculinity. And, and masculinity. And, 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 and tying those and, things to masculinity, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, tying those things, right. It's an, it's an out, outdated notion of masculinity that's, that seems to be uh, you know, celebrated by tying those things to masculinity. It's, it's like the only way to be masculine is, is to do this. And it's, yeah. it's so exhausting yeah. to me to be like, okay. And is, also, yeah. I don't, you know, don't want to like – and I don't think you guys are doing this. I don't want like hand ring and be like the movie makes people violent because I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, draw no, that. No, I don't believe that correlation. And I think no. if you look worldwide, like these movies get distributed worldwide and you don't have the same mass shooting problems that we have. No, um, no, no, you know, but it I'm was, saying. you know, you're talking about, you know, like, Oh, you know what, you know, what do these movies glorify? And I feel like for nobody, because it grounds itself first in, you know, my quiet life of desperation <laughs> and violence is the answer. But it does so in such a way that it, it it kind of relishes it, and yet because it's all done in sort of a quote unquote you know realistic world, like there it's a mob boss, as opposed to like the Matrix where you know mm-hmm. Neo he has his quiet life of desperation, but like he goes it's sci fi and you know he's killing yeah. agents and whatever. Like you can kind of you have it gives you that out that nobody wants to be like yeah, but you know I want to assure you that all of these Russians were bad. 
Like they all they, cheated they, on their all, taxes. They all deserve yeah. to die. <laughs> There's that. Um, and by the uh, way, we're talking a lot about how this movie approaches masculinity. The one like major, uh, you know, woman with speaking role. Well, his daughter too, but Connie Nielsen, who plays his wife. I do feel like there's a lot of room to do something more interesting there. Just a little more. Just give me something more because it feels like a lot of nothing. I really like Connie Nielsen too. So that just felt like a shame, but that's what this movie is, right? It is all bros. Yeah. She it's, it's all bro. She plays the sort of, the put upon uh, convention, wife, yeah. yeah. The put upon exactly right. Um, yeah. All right, let's get to spoilers for nobody starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No, but you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret. Now. You want to be fooled. All right, we're at mm-hmm. spoilers for nobody. Uh, uh, random, random thoughts. Yeah. Uh, this movie uh, is psychotic. This movie is <laughs> psych- like just r- ridiculous in the way it portrays action, and I kind of love it. It reminds me of uh, Troy Hark movies at their at their most uh, wild. You know, there are shots in here. There's the thing Riza does with a sniper gun. Just takes yeah. out three guys at once. The, the dude, yeah, the three bad dudes guy, at once is cool. The bad guy just grabbing a chair, and we're like, huh, wonder what he's going to do with that chair. Cut to throwing the chair at the guy in the hospital bed and just proceeding to beat him with the chair. Um, it was so ridiculous, I, I couldn't help but cackle. Like, just the, so much ridiculous, awesome stuff like that. Well, th- this is my biggest pleasure from watching these movies is, and yeah, I think yeah. when they when they direct them, like, the directors often refer to them as gags. Um, I'm not sure if that's the correct terminology, but basically, like, they on the screen they show someone getting violently injured like in one shot that like it it looks really hard to fake what they do but of course in general when they're doing it everyone is relatively safe so like there's a scene where there's the guy in the hospital bed and the bad russian mobster like picks up a chair and just starts slamming his torso with his chair while he's on the hospital bed and i'm just like wow, it really looks like he's hitting that guy in the torso with a chair. And uh, of course he's not, or he's doing it in a way that the guy's protected. And I just, whenever something like that happens, I'm always just like, uh, always wondering like, how how did they do that? You know, it must've taken some like filmmaking ingenuity to do that. Or like when Bob Odenkirk shoves a knife into some guy's thigh and then kicks it, uh, you know, kicks the knife directly into it. I'm like, wow, that looks incredibly painful. But I know probably no one got hurt doing this. Uh, how do they do that? And that, that's kind of like the whole the action scenes. I'm just always wondering, like, wow, that looks ultra violent. Probably no one got hurt. So uh, I'm delighted by the uh, delighted. illusion of filmmaking. And so you creative. Know? Like the creativity yeah. is re- yeah, really exactly. what I'm grading this movie exactly. on. And like every there's so many flourishes. There's so many like little bits uh, that are just so for people who love like schlocky action movies and certainly like well-made ones. I feel like this is catnip. Yeah. I like it when he collapsed that dude's throat and then gave him oh, a tracheotomy. Man. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> that was nice. It was it like, shows he's a good guy. I don't he's want to kill him. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to beat him with an inch of his life. But that inch but, is crucial. Um, I, I, I think, you know, I was talking about how this movie compares to John Wick and John Wick is about like, they killed his dog and everyone's like, uh Oh, this movie has an even flimsier premise than Love that. It. Love it. Well, it seems to be. It seems to me to be even commenting on John yes. Wick. Yes. You know, like the it's 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 a cat bracelet, uh, and then he finds it in his own apartment, which is so great. He's like, oh, the yeah. guy never even fucking took oh, it. It's so yeah, good. Yeah, it wasn't even yeah. lost. So and great. so it's just like for no reason, it could have easily been avoided. Basically, that 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 you know line, I mean? by the way, is in the trailer. 
Like, uh, where, where is the kitty cat bracelet? Yeah. Which is also what sold me on this movie completely. Yeah, a uh, uh, great use of Pat Benatar's Heartbreaker. Uh, really yeah. love, and actually, I quite enjoyed all the needle drops. Yeah, the needle drops were great. Good, good drop. This is a movie that uses like fairly obvious needle drops, but I really enjoyed them. You know, usually I, <clears throat> I don't like it to be too on the nose, but um, this is not a subtle movie. No, okay, no, that's the thing. No, it's no, not no, a subtle no. movie. Well, and also those needle drops are sort of like meant to be like they're kind of like easy listening songs in a way that's like, yeah, the hits keep on coming on the music. And would you say, would you say dad rock? <laughs> I, I, would, I would, I would give it up for dad They're rock. All dad, yeah. It's all dad rock, but yeah. But yeah, like biggest, it's, I mean, it's meant to soothe you much in the way that the action is. Biggest disappointment for this film, uh, other than it's flawed and outdated look on masculinity, outlook on masculinity that we've already discussed copiously is, uh, wish we'd seen a little bit more of his panic room in the basement. You know, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. There's that moment when he says goodbye to You only to have family. a budget for so much. You have the budget for the door. That's it. <laughs> right. And the door is like, ooh, it's one of those doors that like slides. You know, I'm like, this, you must have really thought this through. And then, uh, nope, you don't get to see the rest of the room. So that's a, that's a little bit of a disappointment. But um, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, there's just so many great moments. I actually like watched the movie and I had a 48-hour rental, right? Once you start watching it, you're 48 hours. And this morning I rewatched all the action scenes. <laughs> <laughs> Just the action scenes, because because uh, I, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, so good, Christopher Lloyd actually getting to kick ass. How old is he now? Amazing. Slightly Why older than Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. <laughs> a lot, I, a I, lot older. He is. I don't understand yes. the relationship between the two of them. You know, so he's like this crazy uh, FBI CIA fix it guy, right? Cleaner. Yeah. His dad is like former military, FBI. I guess. Yeah. Former FBI too. So there's some, there's some tacit understanding they have of if anyone comes into your room, murder them. They're just like father, son murdering pals, I guess. I don't, well, I don't know I mean, how that That's works. really what this movie is about at the end of the day. It's about how killing dozens of people can bring a whole family together. It's true. You know? Yeah, it's true. His Between, dad, I mean, not always does kill. Those families are shattered, stories. But. Yeah. <laughs> He always watches stories until that one day where he gets to blast someone in the face with a shotgun, and then all's good again. He's got a pep in his step that he didn't have since the last time he murdered somebody. He gets to hang out with RZA. It's great. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. Like, and there, there's a post credit scene. Like, give me that RZA Christopher Lloyd spinoff. Like, I, w- I would watch that. That'd yeah. be a lot of fun. I mean, this movie does really clearly set up a uh, sequel, right? Yeah. This movie <laughs> sets itself up to be in the John Wick universe. Like, I want this to happen. Okay, I want this character. What is his, his name? Hutch, Hutch Mansell. Yeah. Hutch Mansell. Needs to be in a John Wick movie at some point. Handed out gold doubloons or whatever. Exactly. Oh yeah, when he got out the gold bars, yeah, I was like, I'm like, oh, this is just John Wick now. Mm-hmm. It's it just really John Wick is now. John. Yes, I had the yeah. same. I mean, thought. he had he had to go see the barber. You know, played by Colin Salmon, a man with. Uh, I see him like randomly in things, and his voice is just perfect. Perfect. I always feel like he's giving me a hitman mission or something. I almost kind of wonder, like, does Derek Kolstad have like one idea? Like, yes. it's like, yeah, because exactly. he also wrote a couple episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Falcon and Winter Soldier, yeah. And there's a scene in like that that is very John Wick reminiscent. And I'm not going to spoil it for people who haven't watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but like, I watched it. I'm like, that that same scene happens in John Wick mm-hmm. too. You just you're lifting I, from yourself. Yeah. I honestly wish the movie hadn't gone so John Wick, to be honest. I, I thought the first, you know, section of this film up until the up through the bus fight, it almost feels like it could be diehard, right? It's, it feels like average Joe pushed too far. And 
in the bu- bus fight, he's not particularly great at it. He's just willing to take a lot of punishment in the very he's John still McClane pretty good way. At it. He's just taking a lot of hits too. Like yeah, but John McClane is bad. that's the John McClane yeah. thing, right? Is that yeah. I'll run across the glass and I'll you know get the shit kicked out of me. I just won't quit. And I I, I was like, I kind of wish the movie was more that instead of it being yeah, you know yeah. all the John Wicky you know a secret underground association of informants and all that stuff. Where he really turns into this I'm cartoon world, superhero. Yeah, the world's best killer. Yeah. I, I think it would have been much more fun if he really was just a dad pushed too far. And But, you know, maybe he used to be in the military or whatever it is. But I, I, I think that's actually, for my money, a more interesting action movie is the the diehard, the, the guy who would never right. put himself in this situation but has to rise to the occasion. But then, you know? then you just get a lot less action, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's great. I love Die Hard. But that movie has to really, uh, uh, you know, ration its big action sequences because McLean is such an everyman in that yeah. first movie, at least. Then it gets crazier, crazier. I will say I enjoyed the Home Alone-esque ending, you know, yep. and mm-hmm. I thought when it comes to like this movie compared to like Skyfall, the Home Alone-esque ending feels a lot more at home and uh, like something that's so outrageous and silly like this. You know, that- I wish they'd made more of a de- big deal about that. I, I, you say Home Alone, I was thinking A-Team, right? My favorite sequences of the A-Team were the outlandish uh, preparation they made, the, the way that they'd modify the van, all that stuff. You I guys love are when just a plan really trying together. to anger all the Sam Peckinpah fans over here, so, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Come but, at us. Yeah. But I, I wish they'd made a bigger deal about that. Like the, the, joy, the joy is setting up the Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah. We don't get any of that. We, we only see the result of the Rube Goldberg machine. And, well, you see him setting up, but you don't understand what he's doing necessarily, right. but that's true of Home Alone as well, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, they showed him doing a few things like the rebars and the explosive rebars. And I'm like, I just want to see what happens with those. And, uh, the movie lived up to that promise. So yeah, Chekhov's rebar, uh, <laughs> really, really got, got a full dose of it. Uh, okay. Any other thoughts? Nobody, a lot of fun, uh, reevaluate, like, don't, don't take its messages on masculinity too seriously. For Probably sure. people won't I, anyway. I, 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 I don't believe that the wife would just be like willing to go through all this again. Like the the last line of the movie is just like, hey, does it have a basement? Ha ha! Cut the credits. Ha ha! He's the hot again. In danger again he, for this. This is what this is why she married him because he was the hot killer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all right. Well, those are our thoughts on Nobody. You can rent it right now on premium video on demand. And you've been listening to the Slash Filmcast. You can find more episodes of the Slash Filmcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from adamwarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from YouTuber Kyle Hillinger. Check out his YouTube channel. Our weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by Baby Zhang. Next week on the Slash Filmcast, we are going to be discussing Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat! Uh, you, we have to shout the title every time. Yes, every time. Yeah, every time. Uh, and uh, got a cool guest in, in line for that, so that should be a lot of fun. It's going to be streaming on HBO Scorpion Max. Scorpion himself? Uh, I wish. I wish. Oh. Uh, you know how I actually... You know, I did get him. You know how I got him? I said, Do it. Get, get, it. Over get over here! here.
Yay. You can expect more of that next week. <laughs> <laughs> Even our guests can't pretend to like our stupid jokes. No, I, actually, I was hoping for a, for a get over here joke. Matt Goldberg, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Slash Homecast. Oh, the honor is all mine. I've, I've, I've been a fan of the show for a long time, and uh, it's great to be on. Matt's going to be sticking around for the After Dark, which you can get exclusively over at patreon.com slash film podcast. We'll be talking about The Empty Man and a couple of other things. Thanks for listening to the Slash Filmcast. We'll see you next week. We watch the movies. 